get your Bibles out, and we're going to, I want you to turn to um, Ecclesiastes 4.8. Ecclesiastes 4.8 is where we're starting today. And so let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the scripture. Thank you that they are um, life to us. Thank you that you are um, giving us strength and wisdom as we read them. Lord, as we, as we share together, as we look into your word, come alive in us. Give us direction. Give us understanding. Give us revelation so that we can obey. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. As you, as you may know, we're in a series called I Have Decided. We kicked it off at the beginning of the year, and this series is all about making decisions at the beginning of the new year, making decisions for 2016. What kind of decisions do you need to make to make 2016 a really fulfilling and purposeful year? And so the first week we talked about the decision to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. And following Jesus isn't uh, like we think it is. Jesus isn't someone you follow by clicking a button and you follow and then you unfollow and then you follow and then you unfollow. The following Jesus is about losing your life and letting go of everything and then letting him become your life. And then last week we talked about finding our purpose. I have decided to find my purpose. And there is nothing worse than a purposeless life. Nothing worse than a meandering soul that doesn't have purpose. And really, we only get uh, an understanding of what our purpose is from God and from the scriptures. And so understanding what our purpose is, understanding that there is a higher purpose and that God has a plan and a desire for our lives, just tapping into that and being part of that really changes us. It, it, it causes fulfillment. It causes us to really believe that our life counts for something. And then this week, we're going to talk about uh, deciding to focus on relationships. I have decided to focus on relationships. And so all of us have had relationships. All of us have had good ones and bad ones. All of us have, most of us have had a difficult relationship here and there. And it's, it's interesting to think about how as we have, as we travel our lives and, and we go through this journey, we have these family relationships and Often the family relationships are the most difficult to navigate. And then you have these friends that come into your life. And some friends you've got, you know, some people, they have really good friends and they have good experiences. Other people, they've just, their heart's been broken over and over and over again. But regardless of your experience, what kind of relationships you've had, it's really important to understand that the Bible describes our lives in the context of a community, in the context of relationships, that God has a desire for us and it is to be in life-giving, healthy, positive relationships. People that will help us grow. And so this is one of the decisions that simplify your life. So many decisions in our lives. We live complicated lives very often, but we have to boil everything down to a few fundamental decisions that if we will make them, they will change our lives. And for 2016, I want you to consider focusing your attention on relationships. So if you look at your message notes, you can see it there. I've written this little phrase, we know more people than ever, but we're more alone than ever. So it seems like we are more connected, more networked. All of us have a LinkedIn account. 
All of us have a Facebook. All of us have some kind of social media dynamic. All of us are surrounded by more people in the way that we live, and yet people feel more alone than ever before. Here's what Ecclesiastes 4.8 says. This is written by Solomon. Solomon was known as the, the wisest man who ever lived. And he's describing something here. He says, there was a man all alone. Everybody say all alone. There was a man all alone and he had neither son nor brother. And there was no end to his toil. He was working. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. What he's describing is a man who doesn't have relationships. He's describing a man who's just toiling, working, all about his career, all about trying to create something for himself, but has no, uh, no kids, nobody to share life with, and no family to look to. He was all alone. And he didn't have friends, and even the wealth that he had was not enough for him. It wasn't fulfilling for him. Nothing else satisfies our lives like genuine relationships, authentic relationships where we are known and we know them, where they know things about us, we're open and vulnerable with people, and we know things about them. There is nothing that takes the place of that. And so my goal here today is simple. I'm going to try to convince you, many of you, to try again. To try again at building relationships. Many of you are, have struggled, and I, I, want to, I want to challenge your conception of what relationships are all about and how you might need them. And the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to start with excuses. Here's the excuses. Why people decide, no, I'm, I, don't, I don't really have time. I don't really want relationship. I've been there before. I don't want to do this. All right, here's, here's the top five excuses, all right? So you can look at your message notes there. The first excuse is naivete. They, they don't, they just don't, I'm not, I didn't know. Nobody told me. I thought this was how I was supposed to live my life. I'm just trying to do a good job, just trying to get through my life. And I didn't know I was supposed to be so connected to other people. Well, consider yourself warned taught, trained, if you will. I have now said it to you. You no longer have to be naive, but people are naive in so many ways, and especially like men. Sometimes men are like these guys. They think, I can just make life, I can make it on my own. I don't need other people. You know, men, they just, they, they typically don't open up naturally. And so, men, you have to have godly relationships all around you to make it in this life. It is really hard in this culture to make it as a man who has health, who has strength, who has wisdom, if you don't have friends. And we think we can do it, but you can't. It's naive to think that you can. There's a great story about Muhammad Ali. You remember the great fighter? He, uh, <laughs> he was riding in a plane one time, and... Uh, you know, he gets on the plane and he sits in his seat and the flight attendant, you know, says you need to buckle your seatbelt and he refused to buckle his seatbelt. And he was like, he was like, hey, Superman don't need no seatbelt. Superman don't need no seatbelt. And the, the flight attendant was really quick. Like she was really sharp. She said, well, Superman didn't need no plane either. So buckle up. There's a naivete sometimes that we get, and we need friends who will protect us, who will help us, 
who will be a, what, what John Maxwell calls a mirror to see who we really are, to understand who we are and who we need to be. And so you're not that tough. Come on, you need a relationship. Number two is temperament. People use this as an excuse all the time. Oh, I don't have the temperament for friendship. <laughs> I don't have the right temperament to be relational. You know, Pastor Ross, you're like all relational and you like doing all that stuff, but I, that's not my temperament. Listen, it's, it's not an excuse. Everybody, no matter their temperament, needs relationships. They need people in their life to help them. We need, the Bible describes us as living in a community where we learn who God is in that community. And that crosses over all temperaments. And listen, I, I, hear, the, I hear you. You're like, well, I just, I'm not comfortable meeting new people. I'm not comfortable with, you know, a lot of people around. Well, that's okay. What we all have to do is make our peace with the fact that relationships can be awkward. Relationships are just awkward sometimes. Meeting new people is awkward. I don't like the awkwardness. Listen, get over it. Get over the awkwardness. Every relationship has awkwardness associated with it. And to think that we can't be really good friends with people because there's an awkward moment, that denies the very fundamental basis of friendship and what it really is. I, my opinion is, is that every friendship is going to go through an awkward moment because friendship should include challenge. And, and help and protection. You know, I, I, I know a, a pastor one time who said, if your enemies are the first ones to criticize you, you don't have any real friends. If your enemies are the first ones to point out your flaws, you don't have any real friends. Your temperament is not an excuse. The third thing is fear. Fear, we're, we're afraid to get involved with other people. They might be weird. I mean, people, people are weird. I mean, let's just face it. You know, so you're like, I don't know if I want to get involved in people's lives because they got weirdness. Some of, you, some of you are afraid to go to a group, a one chapel group, right? Like, like, like you're afraid to go to somebody's house and you, you, you looked it up online and you're like, okay, I need to go to a group. Pastor Russ says, I need friends, so I need to go to a group. And you're like freaking out. So you, you, you're, and, and let's be honest. I mean, Christians sometimes can be weird. I don't know, somebody told me that one time. I just, I've never experienced it myself, but they, they can be. And, th and so there's a, th you, you're afraid, you're afraid you're going to go to that house, and you're going to go there, and you're going to open the door, and they're going to let you in, and then there's a circle of chairs. And in that circle of chairs, there's one right in the middle for you. And you're going to sit in the middle, and they're going to say, now, I'd like you to tell us all your sins, please. Please confess all your sins right now. And then they're going to lay their hands on you. And then they're going to pray for you and cast out all the demons out of your soul. And they're going to, the authority of Christ compels you. I mean, we just, we, all you can think of is exorcism, right? It's like, I'm going to go to their house and they're going to try to excise the demons. People. It doesn't help when all they're serving is Kool-Aid. But look, this isn't what is going to happen. That's not going to happen. No, none of that's going to happen. What you're going to find is some people who are just like you, who are really nice. There may be some awkward moments, but you're going to discover very quickly that there are other people who've experienced the same kind of things that are happening in your life. I'm, I'm getting ready to turn 50 here uh, this year. Can you believe that? 
I know, I look pretty good, don't I? But it is interesting to talk, I mean, my circle of friends, everybody's starting to get like ailments. So we get together, we start talking about our, like, I got, my back is hurting, and my God, I'm like, yeah, I got that. Oh, yeah, I got that. Oh, yeah, I got that too. What is that? What do I need to do? Right? We're all talking about how to fix the, our bodies and how broken they're getting. It's a little weird. But there's a, there's a fear, there's a fear that it'll be something that will threaten us when the opposite is true. There will be an identify, identification with you. There will be an openness. There will be a welcoming. There will be an understanding that everybody experiences these things that you're going through right now. Number four is past, oh, I want to read this quote by, by C.S. Lewis. I love this. This quote by C.S. Lewis, it says, Friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. That's when friendship is born. And this fear leads us to resist very often because of number four, which is past experiences. Past experiences. We're, we're, we've been burned. We've been hurt. We've been wounded by someone before. And you just decide, decide I can't be involved in these kind of relationships anymore. The pain you've experienced, the relationship that hurt you, let me explain something to you. What's happening is it doesn't happen in an isolated manner. You are not just saying no to this relationship because of the hurt. The enemy, the devil himself, is trying to destroy your relationships. Whatever that hurt was, whatever that violation was in that relationship, his goal was not just to ruin that relationship. His goal was to make it so that you would never be open to anybody again. That's his desire. He's looking down the line and trying to stop what is God's desire for you, what, it, what is God's way of wiring you as a human being to allow people into your life. Past experiences are so hurtful and, and, and we've got we've to push against that. And, and number five is busyness. Busyness. Now, it, all of us in the room, probably, this is most people's thing because it is the culture we live in. If I had to pick one, this is probably mine. I got five kids. I have a growing church. I have, I have so much that's happening that, that is going on in my life. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm threatened, right, by, by the invasive dynamic of, of all the things that I feel like I don't have time for, right? I, I want to do these things. There's things that I want to do, the things that I need to do, things that I know that would be good for me, and yet I'm pressured not to make room in my life for them. This describes most of us. I'm not, will, I, I just don't know how I can fit one more thing into my schedule. Hey, could 2016 be the year that we just get a hold of our schedule in a different way? Could this be the year that we create some margin in our lives where we would just say, okay, I'm not going to live like that. I'm not going to be pressured by everything. And make no mistake, people, it, there are seasons and cycles to our lives. So there are busy seasons and there are slower seasons, but it feels like in our culture, we just give into the, the, the busy seasons and they ju it just keeps spinning. If we don't decide, 
I have decided to focus on relationships. You know what the problem with the relationships are? They take time. They take time. And so we have to decide to do this. Let's look at what the scriptures say about it. First, first Peter chapter four, verse seven. It's in your message notes there. You can read along with me. Peter starts out and he says, the end of all things is near. Big idea. The end of all things is near. We are closer to the end than we ever have been before. <laughs> there it is. But what Peter is saying is, I want you to understand that there is a, a time frame here and you only have a certain amount of time. And God is working all things for his purpose, and you should be aware of that. He says, therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. That's really good. Clear-minded, self-controlled so we can pray. And then he says this, above all. Everybody say, above all. Take your pen and surround those two words. Underline it. Above all. Whenever the Bible says something like above all, you should stop and go, oh, this is really important. This is like, okay, if, if I'm doing everything that you've asked me to do, this is above all. This is the priority. This is the primary thing that we've got to do. Above all, it says love each other deeply. Look at that. Right back to relationship. Right back to connecting with people. It's not... Being a Christian is not just about having a relationship with God, even though it does absolutely start there. But having a relationship with God includes relationships with people, with a community, the people of God. And very often, loving each other deeply is the thing that shapes our character. It forces us to evaluate who we are when, when, we're, when we're rejecting selfishness and deciding that we're going to focus on others instead of ourselves. And so he says here, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. You know what most people who are stuck in sin need? They need a loving brother or sister in Christ to come alongside them and to walk with them and help them overcome that sin. That when you're in a loving relationship, you have a better shot at overcoming sinful behavior. Because when, when you feel loved, you begin to get an illustration, a demonstration of God's love for you that is tangible, practical. You can feel it. And you understand who you are in that relationship. And so he says, he says, uh, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Man, our nation is a nation of whiners. We, we just, we complain all the time. The, 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 the people of God, you know what we're supposed to be? We're supposed to be the opposite of that. We're supposed to be the people who offer hospitality without grumbling. The people who offer ourselves to others without complaining and without whining about it. We're the ones that God empowers and gives us a burden and compassion for others who are in need. That's who we are. And it's supposed to be so evident within our community that the world, the people who don't know who Jesus is, they look at the community and go, I need, to, I need that. I want that. We got to do it here first, and we got to do it in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces as well. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Everybody say serve 
He's saying, use whatever gift you have to serve others. Notice, he's coaching, he's coaching believers, here's how I want you to act. Use your gifts to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. Think about this. You and I are supposed to speak to each other with the sense that God is speaking through us. We're supposed to, the words we say to each other, they're supposed to be protective, encouraging, challenging words. When we speak to one another, we're speaking the very words of God because God lives in us and that's his design and his desire to flow through us to one another. That's what he's challenging us to do. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory, the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. That's good. So let's talk about some decisions you, you and I need to make for this coming year. The first decision we should make concerning relationships is we should decide to nurture our important relationships. I want to decide to nurture my important relationships. Think about your roles. Think about who you, the relationships you have that are really essential, really important. For me, I'm, a, I'm a, a husband. I'm a dad. I'm a pastor. These are essential to my, uh, who I am as a person, and they are really high on the priority list, and I've got to nurture those. And the thing we have to understand is you can't leave relationships where they are. Nothing stays where you left it. <laughs> Nothing stays where you left it. It always moves. Relationships either move forward or they move backwards. They're moving together forwards or they're, or they're ret retreating. It's, it's impossible just to let it be static. Because relationships are organic. They're interactive. There's a, there's a thing there. And so you, you, you're kinda, you can't be like the guy that said to his wife of many years, I told you I loved you at the altar, and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> we have to be constantly engaged. Every great relationship happens on purpose. Great relationships don't happen on accident. Negative relations happens on accident sometimes. Damaging relationships happen on accident, but, but every great relationship happens on purpose. Marriages, friendships, they never stay the same. We've got to attend to them. We've got to become the people who are attentive to those relationships. Colossians 2.19 says, the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. In, this, in the scriptures, over and over again, Paul the apostle he kind of describes relationships as a body, the relationships of God's people as a body and how connected they are. And this analogy of a body, I want to highlight the fact that when we understand that relationships function like a body, we've got to take care of the body. You, we all have to make sure the body gets stronger and not weaker. If you're passive with your body, it will automatically get less healthy. You have to be intentional with your body. You have, to, you have to work out if you want muscles. Otherwise, gravity takes its place in your body and pulls everything down. But you have to force everything back up. 
you have to force everything. You have to force, it can't, it's move, it can't, it's going to automatically move from here to here. But you got to, you got to, you got to react against it. You got to push against it. And you got, what? It's true. Come on, you all know it's true. You're, you're laughing like you don't know this. Listen, here's the thing. If you want your body to be strong and healthy, you got to keep it strong and healthy by eating the right things and by exercising and doing the right things to it, by caring for it. Same thing with relationships. <clears throat> so many times we, our relationships get broken and we don't, we don't feed them. Hey, our marriage relationships, very often what I'll see is people coming into our offices and wanting counseling, but they haven't done anything to attend to their marriage. They've just let it become totally broken. And they come and it's in pieces. And they come to the pastor and they say, can you put all the pieces back together? It's really hard at that point. It's really hard. You know what we have to do? We have to keep being attentive to our marriage relationship in order for it to have life and for it to grow. There has to be positive investment. There has to be care for it. There has to be constant attentiveness to this relationship in order for it to become all that God wants it to be. The time to go to a marriage conference is not when you're on your last leg. When you're on your last ditch effort to try to save the marriage. The time to go to a marriage conference is before you need it. Thank you. <laughs> you ever, I mean, have you ever, you ever, you ever been camping and, and, and the fire goes out and then you have to start the fire again? Put a log on the fire, don't let it go out. It's a lot easier to keep the fire going. There's a story about my, my kids and our family. I went through a really difficult season in the life of the church that I came from. The pastor failed morally and, and, and it was a scandal and, so hard to go through and there was a, a tragedy 13 months later where people got shot guy walked onto our campus and started shooting people it was a, it was a nightmare a scandal and tragedy in the span of 13 months i became the interim pastor during in the in between there walking our church through this process it was so difficult but i remember its impact on my family on my kids there's a season of our lives where i don't remember what happened with our kids because my life was so absorbed in, in, in leading the church through this. And I was so absorbed in, in it. And, um, and I, then, then we, as our hearts healed up, you know, we, we kind of got our perspective again. But then we came and planted a church. And I remember uh, about three years ago, we, Amy and I sitting down and, and, and her, <laughs> her saying to me, we got to invest in our kids. We can't build a church and see our kids go the other way. I believe that. You believe that. But we have to be intentional, attentive, do things on purpose that will invest in the life of our kids. And I can tell you, there was some signs there that we, it wasn't going the right direction. I'm happy to say that God is working in my kids' lives like I've, like I've never seen it. And I'm so grateful for that. My goal is for them to love God. I want, him, I want them to love God. I want them to love me. <laughs> right? I want them to love God. I want them to love me. And then ultimately, I want them to love the church. I want them to love you. If we can get, if we can get through the child-rearing years with those things intact, we'll know that God really helped Amy and I raise our kids well. And so... Don't wait too long. 
gentlemen, to invest in your kids. Don't let the, the, the seasons go by without correcting it. It's important. Number two, the thing we should do for t- decisions we should make for 2016 is to restore my broken relationships. Restore my broken relationships. There are broken relationships littered throughout our lives very often. And let me just say the pain of unresolved conflict is greater than the pain of fixing it. It doesn't seem like it sometimes because then you've got to deal with the conflict. But honestly, what's going to happen to your life as a result of, of that unresolved conflict, the pain and the suffering that's going to happen to you, is much worse than the pain of just fixing it, of dealing with it. Romans 12, 17 through 18 says, do not pay anyone evil for evil. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. This is a great idea for 2016. As far as it depends on you, you can't always make the other party restore the relationship, but you can decide to forgive. You and I can decide to live as people who are gonna be people of peace, that we're gonna, that we're gonna resolve conflict when it's in our power to resolve it, that we're gonna commit to that. One of my favorite stories about a, about a, a, a couple that had been married 50 years and they're at their their 50-year anniversary, and people are asking her questions like, what's the secret? What's the, how'd you make it for 50 years? And she said, well, I had, a, I had a list of 10 flaws that I thought up that he had. And every time I'd see one of those flaws, I'd just be like, oh, that's just him. It's okay. I'm going to live with that. It's no big deal. I'm not going to let that poison me. And so somebody else raised their hand, and they're like, hey, did you... Uh, did you write down that list? I'd love to see that list. She's like, you know, the interesting thing about it is that I never got around to writing it down. Every time I'd see a flaw, I'd just say, ah, that must be one of the ten. I'm just going to let it go. Couldn't we be the kind of people who would live like that? Just not get all uptight about what other people's flaws, that we'd accept them as they are and love them as they are, and then help them walk through the journey? That's what I want us to be as a church, that, those kind of people. Number three, I think it's a year to decide to sever harmful relationships, sever any harmful relationships. Some of you are in relationships that are bad for you. And when I say bad for you, what I mean is according to the scriptures. There's all kinds of justification for getting out of marriage. That's not what I'm talking about here. <laughs> Don't you know, Pastor Ross, they really make me mad. That's God's character building process in you, brother. <laughs> what, I'm ta- what I'm saying is there are some relationships that are actually pulling you away from God. That are, that are violating your sense of surrendering to God. Some of you that are single, you're, you're, you're getting involved with the wrong person. You're... You're, you're getting involved with things with that person that are inappropriate and wrong. Some of you married couples are flirting with the wrong people at work. We can get involved in people's lives and they can be harmful to us. And it's true, hurt people always hurt people, right? Hurt people hurt people and <laughs> are easily hurt by others. And so there is a process where you have to figure out if you're the hurt person because you always seem to get hurt. There's a process there. 
Sometimes we're all pointing at the other person. Sometimes it's, it's you. But, but listen, there are relationships that drag us down and away from God. And I think it's important. Some of you young people, you, your friends are the things that's pulling you away from God. And we ought to go the other direction. We ought to sever those relationships. Look what, look what Proverbs 27, 19 says. It says, a mirror reflects a man's face, but he, what, what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. One of my favorite sayings is, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. People you hang around with, those are the people you're going to become like. Proverbs 13, 20 says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion, a companion of fools suffers harm. We need to get surrounded by a group of people that will, that will help us think wisely about our lives. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? This is talking about common fellowship. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church at Corinth, and he's challenging them. He's not saying... He's not saying we can't be friends with people who don't know who Jesus is or who aren't fully surrendered to God. He's not saying that. He's saying you, you shouldn't have the kind of fellowship that, that causes you to be sucked into their world or their disobedience. What he's saying is it's about who's influencing whom. Right? We, so, so, so we're supposed to be friends with people who need to know who Jesus is. We just have to know that we're the ones that are going to be the influencers, the ones who will serve, the ones who will love them and then, and then connect with them. Number four, to initiate some meaningful relationships. Hebrews 10.25. Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I want you to see that he, uh, once again, the writer of Hebrews is saying, there's a day that is approaching. Judgment has an impact on the relationships that you choose today. What Jesus is doing. So there are five relationships I want you to think about. I want, five relationships I want you to think about, and this is how we'll just close. Because all, I think all of us need these kinds of relationships. We need to initiate meaningful, purposeful, life-giving, healthy relationships. The first relationship is a relationship with a church. Some of you are bouncing around all kinds of churches and places, and I'm not talking about going to church. Going to church is different than having a relationship with a community, right? I'm talking about having a relationship with a community of God's people and being in, being connected, being willing to be a part of it. And there are other good churches in, in South Austin. There are other places you can go, but pick one. Pick one and invest in the relationship of a church, of God's people. Second is relationship with a group. Relationship with a small group of people. Everybody needs a smaller group of people who, where they are known and where they know each other. And this knowing is part of the process that God works in our lives and challenges us and helps us to grow as his people. And so there's a, a whole bunch of people who are here on Sunday, right? But then there needs to be, in two weeks, we're going to do, we're going to launch all of our small groups. And all of our small groups, including uh, Catalyst groups, everybody needs to choose a group to be involved in. It's really in, an important thing for your life. Create the margin to do it. It will be so fulfilling. All of us need more people for encouragement and prayer and support and strength. These are the kind of groups I'm talking about. 
Did you know that UCLA did a study a few years ago and said that the average person needs to, to be healthy and to be, understand a, a loving relationship needs eight to 10 touches, physical touches every day. Every day. Eight to 10 touches with physical, physical touches every day to feel like they're loved. Listen, that's UCLA. That's not the Bible. It's not the church. It's not me. This is, this is people studying human behavior. There is something God designed us for and wired us up for to live in that really changes our lives. Third relationship is a relationship with a team. I think there, you know, we have, we have a whole bunch of teams that serve all over the place. And, and our church is going to do a better and better job at getting groups and teams functioning together and overlapping and making sure that our groups are, are, are willing to serve and making sure that teams are healthy and interactive. And so there's a, there's a thing here that's so important. I think one of the first things that we do that demonstrates that we're really following Jesus is we begin to put ourselves in a position to serve others. We just, we just begin to serve other people. Life's not all about us. We're not, it's not all about um, what the group we like. We decide, I'm going to do something for someone. So I think that's a powerful thing. I think we produce more when we're on a team than when we're just living life on our own. We can produce more when we are part of a group that's accomplishing something great together. Num number four, I think we all need a relationship with a neighbor. We need a relationship with a neighbor, and I'm talking about a neighbor who's, who's living near you, somebody down the hall in your apartment building, someone who's near you who needs the love of Jesus in their life, and you're the one. That you're attentive, because Jesus, here's what he said. He said, you can look at all the scriptures, all the commandments, all the Old Testament, and you can boil it all down to two things. If you'll just love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you'll love your neighbor as yourself. If you'll just attend to people and love them, serve them, do what you'd want somebody else to do for you. If we'll just love one another. Listen, if we'll do that as a church, if our city could do this, if the Christians in our city could do these two things, love God with everything and then be willing to just love our neighbors, love some people around us, pray for them, encourage them, serve them, watch for their needs, make sure that we're just attentive to them. Guess what? That's the soil. That's the seedbed for the gospel to come alive, for the good news to come out. Because once you're attentive to them, it may take time. They may think you're a weirdo at first, but once they experience love, they're going to respond to you. There's something that we need to do, I've become convinced that our church is gravitating to two primary ways of influencing our city with the gospel. One is church planting. That's what the 10 in 10 is all about. 10 communities in 10 years is all about. That's why our first one's happening in Kyle. And the second, though, is teaching everybody how to be a great neighbor, neighboring, teaching people how to love people who need Jesus. Finally, we need a relationship with God. Put your stuff to the side and let's pray. Because I want to talk about this relationship with God with your eyes closed. A relationship with God is what you and I need most. It is the starting point for everything else we've talked about today. It is the source of the ability to love. It is the source of of the grace that you can extend to others. 
is a relationship with God. Now, some of you are in this room and you're, you're really struggling to have a relationship with God. In fact, for some of you, you don't even, you don't, you've never understood it. All you think about with God is religion or ritual. That's the only thing that you've sort of understood. Can I tell you that God is reaching out to you today? He's reaching out to you even now in this moment and he's saying, I want to know you and I want you to know me. He's, he's calling you to himself. Some of you, it's been a really long time since you had a vibrant relationship with God. The busyness has overwhelmed you. Maybe the woundedness of your past and the hurts that are in your life are just coming out. The struggle you're in has caused you to res resist him or reject him instead of embrace him. Can I, can I ask you today to, to decide, decide to pursue a relationship with God? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want you to decide, make a firm decision, make a quality decision today to say yes to God. Some of you are, are really wrestling with it, and I, I, just want you to, I just want you to be able to say yes to him. I, and the, here's the weird part. I can't really know what your relationship is like with God. Only you know. But if you're wanting to respond to him today, if you found yourself isolated, if you find yourself hurt and wounded, but you need the healing that only he can give, would you just say, yes, pastor, I want to be, be included in this prayer. I, I want you to pray for me, and I want to pray this prayer and say yes to God. Just shoot your hand up in the air and say, yep, that's me. Whether it's the first time or first time in a long time, yep, way back in the back, over here on the side, that's so good. Who else? Who else? Yeah, right here. Who else? That's so good. Such a good thing. Yeah, don't be, don't be hesitant. Be bold. This is 2016. You have to decide. The decision has got to be strong. Anybody else? Just want to say, yep, that's me. Yeah. Yeah, good, brother. I love that. That's so good. Okay. All right, let's pray this prayer together. All of you across the auditorium, let's pray. And let's... Let's let the Lord in. You pray this prayer maybe under your breath as I'm praying it over us together. Father, we come to you today and we, first of all, we ask you to forgive us. Forgive us for insisting on our own way, for choosing selfishness instead of love. Forgive us, Lord, for doing the things that will alienate us instead of welcome people into our lives. Forgive us for doing that to you, Lord. Would you help me? Help each one of us, Lord, to open up to you, Lord, and to open up to others. We choose you today. I choose you. I allow you into my life. I open up my heart, and I let you have your way in me. I want to know you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Heal me. Deliver me, strengthen me. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.